Welcome to episode 89 of the Set in the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. Dante Hightower should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl, right? Is Julian a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah, so I guess I was just looking back to see when the last time we recorded it was, and that was apparently, <laughs> uh, three months ago, Super Bowl preview, and I don't know, I think we might have recorded it, and something got garbled or something, but yeah, we never got around to the Super Bowl review. I guess two takes that are definitely on time and not super duper late, uh, like Justin said, Hightower should have been the MVP, probably would have locked it in if he had caught the interception, like right up the gate in the second half and Edelman is absolutely not a Hall of Famer and he's not even the best Patriots slot receiver of like the past 10 years come on now our memory is that short yeah I don't I don't know what we did I think Ben Albright probably explained it the best where he was like I think people think Welker and Edelman were the same person and they're just like meshing their careers together yeah I mean that's how I got confused with like Adam Humphreys and Hunter Renfro at Clemson where I was like there's this white dude who plays slot receiver more than 13. It feels like he's been here for like 50 years, but it's actually two different guys uh, who might end up being like the same guy in the NFL. Uh, but moving on from our timely Super Bowl review, off-season review. Uh, a lot has happened since we last recorded. I mean, damn, it was like before, literally before the Super Bowl. So we have like the entire off-season and the draft to catch up on. So we might as well just dive right in. Uh, and I, I jotted down some notes to hit on uh, for the offseason review. And no place better to start than Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon getting sent to the Browns. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny how they ended up packaging that. And I feel like that was for almost PR services because at first it was just going to be, it was like two separate deals, right? Where it was Vernon for Zeitler straight up. And then after that, it was Odell for the 17th pick, a third round pick, and Jabril Peppers. And then they just kind of sandwiched those two together. But I think it's kind of funny to just look at them as two separate deals. Because, I mean, if you look at what David Gelman did in the draft, he traded away Odell Beckham for Dexter Lawrence, Jabril Peppers, and O'Shane Ximenes. 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 Wow, that was bad. Excuse me. He's uh, a pass rusher, too. God damn, we're a bunch of frauds here. Yeah, I didn't watch him at all. Uh, so he's okay. I, okay, okay. Eh, I figured. I figured that just by looking at like his combine stuff, he just looked like okay. Uh, I mean, that's not really good compensation for Odell Beckham Jr. And I think everyone can agree on that. The the thing too about I think Vernon is on two years and Zeitler has three left. I'm pretty sure that's how it worked out. So like the second like you're you're losing a year on the second and third best players in the trade, right? Mm-hmm. So you're getting yep. Beckham two years of Vernon, and you gave away Ze- uh, three years of Zeitler, and you got or I got it all mixed up. They they ended up plus on the Zeitler trade, I think, because I think you got an extra year out of Zeitler. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't. I mean, I think both of us have been pretty vocally like, "Wow, Jabril Preppers should never have been drafted that high," and then they took a nose tackle who probably shouldn't have been drafted that high. And then Zemenis is just okay. But they needed pass they, they definitely needed pass rusher help, especially with Vernon out. Yeah, so okay. I, I think what's funny about one, especially the Dexter Lawrence stuff, is for a nose tackle in today's NFL, I, I think we can agree like the best case scenario is you turn to Damon Harrison, right? 
Yeah, but they <laughs> they got rid of and him. And they for a fifth round pick. Yeah. And then they picked his replacement in the first well, round. Well, Dalvin is solid too. Is the thing. Right. It's like they didn't even like really need a a nose tackle like that. But I don't know. Their defense is just kind of weird, man, cuz it's basically like Arizona all over again. Like they got uh Olsen Pierre, our boy, our rotational mm-hmm. three tech who we've been a big fan yeah. of who probably should have gotten more playing time. Yeah, and then they got Kareem Martin, not so good. Like, extremely overpaid for who he is, right? And then there was someone else, I think, that they got in that front seven. Oh, uh, Marcus Golden. Who, like, oh, yeah, that's right. he hasn't been the same since his injury, but, I mean, you you don't accidentally end up putting up the season that he had, like, two or three years ago, whatever it was. So, I, I still think Golden could be something. I think Olsen Pierre could be a much better player in New York if he actually gets playing time than who he was in Arizona. So I, I don't really know what the hell's going on. I mean, this is a team that super overvalued Alec Ogletree a few years ago in a trade, right? So I, I don't totally know what I'm supposed to make up of this defense right now. Yeah, and just adding to the Lawrence thing, they they just drafted B.J. Hill last year, who was pretty solid as a rookie. So you got like three giant defensive linemen, uh, none of whom, like, are, are we sure any of them can really rush the passer? Dalvin's right. done better than I thought. I, I thought Dalvin wasn't going to be able to do it. Same with, uh, what's his name, Jerron Reed in Seattle. Oh, I think, Seattle, I think yeah. yeah. I think both of those guys got better as pass rushers in the NFL, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, so I, I don't really know what to make of the Giants' defense at all because it seems like they got three guys who can like kind of play the same spot, and Lawrence is probably going to end up edging them out just because he's got the highest price tag on and even like their offense is kind of structured in the same way too, where after you trade away Odell Beckham, you sign Sterling Shepard, whose numbers are better out of the slot. And then you sign Golden Tate, who we all know his numbers are better out of the slot. And like, it's not like either of those guys are really on cheap deals. So I, no, I, Shepard got re- paid. Yeah. Like, got I think it was like paid. four for 46 or something like that. Yeah. Around there. He got a ton uh, of money. He got like the, the Randall Cobb deal. Yeah, so I don't really know how you start piecing that together. I mean, it, it's just kind of a weird offense. Like, obviously, like I think their guard situation is probably pretty good because Will Hernandez right. was pretty good last year Definitely. and Zeitler's good. Uh, but their wide receiver core is just like a, a mess of guys who don't really fit together. Uh, you know, pray for Saquon Barkley. I'm sure he's going to get the ball like 400 times this year, and hopefully he doesn't get Larry Johnson. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll, before he can hit we'll that see about deal. that because if you like – as a degenerate gambler, I pay attention to, like, lines and, like, player props and stuff like that, right? When they turned in the card for Daniel Jones, all of Saquon's numbers dropped because I think people who are setting lines are pretty aware of, like, rookie years are, are fake, basically, for quarterbacks, right? Where it's like they're going to struggle. And if the Giants play Daniel Jones, that's just touches that are being taken off with Saquon Barkley's plate. Right. Uh, Their win total also weird. dropped after they drafted a first-round quarterback. You don't really see that ever happen, but I don't know. People who are setting lines <laughs> are not very confident in Daniel Jones' ability. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit on him later. And I think, you know, I think the Browns are obviously put, pretty he big. He put up Blake Bortles' NFL stats in the ACC, yeah. and he lost to Wake Forest, like, by a like, lot. Like, what was it, 52-3 or something like that? Not good. He's not good. No, he's not. But, uh... <laughs> We'll, we'll just, you know, we'll just keep quiet about that. And if Dave Gelman gets his way, he won't even see the field for like three more years. All right. Uh, Everything Dave Gelman says is a lie. So Dave Jones is going <laughs> right, to start right. week one. Get out of here. 
Uh, I still think I still think the conspiracy theory is Eli. You know, he goes down to Duke and stuff to hang out with Cutcliffe, and he's like, "I can beat this guy out. I can definitely get another contract if this guy's the guy behind me." Oh yeah, and it, it, it's I also think that's funny why he's vouching like, for him. It's also funny how they look like just straight up doppelgangers. Like maybe Eli is like feeding off Daniel Jones' life force in practice because every time you see them pictures, they have the same exact helmet. They got that same goofy expression. Like they move the same way. It's very, very uncanny, but uh, I don't really know where this goes, but I'm kind of rooting for, uh, I think the, the the Giants play the Ravens. Oh, no, they play the Vikings uh, in week five, and then they play the Patriots on Thursday night football after that. Uh, so let's say the Vikings just absolutely dominate Eli, and then Daniel Jones gets his first start on the road against Bill Belichick on, like, Thursday night. That would be, I mean, it's just, like, poetic almost. Yeah, that can go, like, one of two ways, right? Because I think the Baker situation was similar last year, right? I think he came in midway through a Thursday night game. Yeah. And we were like, he was definitely going to do this, and it's going to look bad. And it didn't look bad. He looked fine. But Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, very different. Baker Mayfield set all the passing efficiency records in the NCAA yeah, Daniel Jones put up Blake Bortles numbers, NFL Blake Bortles numbers in the ACC. So, and there's yeah, like good one luck. good ACC team. It's not like every team is Clemson. So, uh, speaking of Baker, you know, just quick on the Browns, like that offense is going to be pretty fun to watch. Uh, but I think like one area you got to oh, kind of yeah, look out. It's year one Dorsey. It'll be fun. Yeah. for now it'll be. It's fun for now. Uh, but I think one thing you kind of got to watch out for is. In the second half of that season, obviously, you know, it's not like the Browns went up against a gauntlet of defenses. Like, I think that they played the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Bengals twice. So, you know, it's not like you're facing anything really, truly difficult up until they got to, like, Houston uh, and the Ravens. But he, he didn't get – I don't think he got sacked in the second half of the season or maybe he only got hit, like, two or three times over those, like, bottom nine games. Uh, Zeitler's kind of a big loss, especially if if you read into the leaves about Austin Corbett not really being able to get into the starting lineup. And their tackle uh, situation isn't great anymore either. I mean, it's Greg Robinson and Chris Chris Hubbard, and people were, like, scratching their head when Chris Hubbard got that contract. You remember? He was, like, the highest-paid offensive tackle free agency, like, two years ago, and people were like, I don't even know who he is. It was like, he was a part-time guy in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so that offensive line, it's kind of weird. But, I mean, Treader and Batonio are still pretty good. But, man, like, that right guard spot could be a hole. So, you know, but maybe it might not even matter with how much skill talent they have this year. I mean, Odell, Higgins, Landry, Callaway, Chubb, Duke Johnson, uh, and then Kareem Hunt's going to come back halfway through the season. Like, that's enough to score a lot of points. Uh, let's move on to the Jets. I mean, what in the hell is going on? with the Jets this year. Power struggle, baby. Uh, this is what I always talk about where I'm like, you guys don't understand how much job security has to play in with everything, where everything coming out of New York has been like, yeah, it was a GM on the hot seat, and he gave Le'Veon Bell a crazy contract, made him like the highest paid running back in football over the first two years of his deal, and he like exploded the linebacker market with C.J. Mosley and almost di- did the damn same thing with uh, uh, Anthony Barr, so... Yeah, the CJ Mosley deal was kind of crazy. I mean, think about Mosley if they had also signed Anthony Barr, though. Like that is a ton of money at linebacker. Yeah, it would have made for a fun, pretty fun defense. But I mean, man, like I, 
you can't really fault Baltimore for not even really entertaining that price tag because it was like five like, for eighty. He got like sixteen or something, like sixteen per, fifteen per, something like that. So like Bobby uh, Wagner, I'm like looking around. I'm like, yeah, Bobby Wagner is the next dude out in Seattle. There's no chance Pete Carroll's gonna give him that money. It was seventeen, five for eighty-five. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a lot for, of money, for, man. Yeah, especially for a linebacker that doesn't like. I, I know, like, C.J. Mosley has value as a blitzer, but I don't know. But for a guy that's not primarily a pass rusher, that's a big chunk of change. So I don't really know, like, why not fire him way before this? Because, you know, Mosley and Le'Veon deals were not cheap, and then you let him pick Quinnen number three, and then you fire him. It's just it's just kind of bizarre. Well, me, like, honestly. that's not even – the Quinnen at three isn't even that surprising. I think I think, right, there, right. I think there are people in Arizona – actually, I know this for a fact. There are people in Arizona and San Francisco who wanted Quinnen, right? Like, Quinnen was a guy who could have gone number one, number two, depending – it was more of, like, team need type situation, right? Like, San Francisco was trying to shop their defensive linemen, trying to see which need can we kind of artificially develop and get something back for. So then we can replace him with the number two pick because they were comfortable taking Bosa or Quinnen. And it ended up being we were more we were more comfortable taking Bosa at two if we couldn't ship either Armstead or Solomon Thomas away, right? That basically became the decision at two. So taking Quinnen at three wasn't a big deal. It was the fact that, like, day two, do you remember the rumors coming out day two where they were like... They were um, trying to trade back in the second round. McCagnan right? was trying to trade away a future first-round pick to get into day two of the draft and it's like dude that's gonna be a top 10 pick get get real i know you're on the hot seat but that's not gonna happen they didn't have a second round pick because they traded to get donald last year so right which is why they tried to trade out 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 at three but no one was biting anything i mean the top of the draft was pretty set yeah uh man it's just kind of baffling you know adam gacy i mean what a come up for him for going fired to being the head coach slash GM of division rival like four months later, like that's some finesse Hall of Fame stuff right there. Yeah, I, the only other guy that I could think of who's done that recently is McDermott, but McDermott wasn't fired as a head coach, right? He was promoted as a DC, and then he basically won a power struggle like within a few months of him being there, and he basically became head coach general manager. But Gase definitely was like pretty – how should I phrase this? So we know at least two other head coaches were on their list ahead of Gase, and people in Cliff Kingsbury's camp think Cliff Kingsbury would have gotten that job if he wouldn't have taken the Arizona job so fast. And there are Jets people who are like, oh, he wasn't even offered yet. They were still going through the process, but that's at least what Cliff's camp thinks. Um, so Gase could have been their fourth choice as a head coach, and now he has all the power of the organization, basically. Goodness. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm sure the Patriots are not concerned about, once again, not concerned about their divisional rival, but, or they're like just the other teams in the division. But I guess, you know, like, I guess at this, the one team that it's not going to beat them, but could maybe be a little bit tough to play are the Bills, just because, okay, not that their offense is going to be good or anything, but they, they got better on offense, you know? I mean, we, we've talked a lot about uh, Tynaseki. Pretty much whenever he got playing time in Washington, like there wasn't a big drop off from him to tie or to him from uh, Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses and oh, Trent Williams. I don't know why I thought his name was Ty Williams. That was just no, brains dying on me. Uh, that's a really good pickup for him. I like Cody Ford pick up for him, too, assuming he's going to play guard. Uh, Mitch Morris, like if he can stay healthy, 
They way they way overpaid him, but yeah, he, yeah he's a good yeah. center. He's a good center if he can play if he can stay healthy. But yeah, that's uh, that contract was a little hefty for. It's like that. It's like th- they're doing weird things where it's like we're gonna get a really good center and we're gonna get a really good nose tackle and start little Lele and we're gonna have good safeties, but like you're also paying the premium at all those positions, you know. Yeah. So it's not like they're so, getting a ton of value out of it, but they, they got good players. The, the one guy who didn't make sense to me at all, like John Brown makes sense, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh, scramble drill, Josh Allen, that makes sense. You want to hit him deep. Cole Beasley, like, oh, my it. God. He's going to be on Twitter by October tweeting again. I'm not just a slot receiver. Like, buddy, Josh Allen's not going to hit you on these timing routes. That's that's not what this is about to be. Yeah, that's that's – I mean, man – the fit there just between quarterback and receiver talent just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, no. like you said, like Josh Allen's not going to sit there and you know go through like a three-step drop and just nail these out routes. That's just not who he was last year. It's not really who he's ever been. He's going to scramble around. You're going to take some big losses. But, you know, hopefully you can create some big plays. But Cole Beasley has just not been that type of guy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how his role scopes out uh, in the offense. And, you know, I, I still like their defense a, a good bit. I mean, yeah, the defense McDermott, has been good the last two years. McDermott, Hive, bro. He, right, he actually, yeah. he, he matters as a defensive mind in the league where, like, you could say that about maybe, I don't know, five or six guys. Yeah, and their defensive line, you know, it's got potential to be kind of fun if Shaq Lawson can finally live up this year. I mean, they drafted Ed Oliver. They're, uh, like, weird signed. deep, too, because it's, They're like, if deep, Shaq Lawson yeah. isn't there, then, like, they still have Trent Murphy, who they paid a ton of money to. And, like, Harrison Phillips was a top 100 pick. He's probably coming – he might be coming off the bench, probably, depending on what's going on with Ed Oliver and Starr. And then Jordan Phillips can play a little bit, too. So it's, like, they got a legit two deep on their defensive line. It's just – I don't know if two of their four starters are, like, big difference makers, right? Like, it's, like, the Tampa thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of excited to watch this defense. I I still I'm still pretty high on Tremaine Edmonds too. Uh, I mean he, he's, he's only gonna be 21 this year, right? Mm-hmm. And Lorenzo uh, Alexander's pretty good as a flex guy. He can rush the passer too, even though he's playing like off ball. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know. Like they're obviously they're not gonna win more games than the Patriots unless like Tom Brady gets hurt and Bill Belichick dies or something like that. But. I, I think, like, even late in the season, uh, like, the Bills' defense kind of gave Tom Brady a little bit of fits on Monday Night Football. They're good. They got uh, a really good secondary, man. Yeah. Like, those, they, they then, have the best safety tandem in the league now, now that uh, Chicago's broken up. Or, actually, Baltimore probably does now. But Yeah. Uh, they're right behind But, them. I mean, like, they were in position to win that game in Week 16 just solely off the defense. Then Allen threw that. Or was it Derek Anderson? One of those two guys threw, like, like a backbreaking pick six to end the game, but I don't know. Buffalo is going to be interesting was the, to watch. <laughs> was the Derek Anderson game the game where they opened up and they're like, "We're going wildcat"? Something, yeah. I think so. <laughs> that game was amazing. That game was uh, amazing because I was like, "This is going to be awful entertainment," and then they're just like, "Yeah, Lashawn McCoy is playing quarterback first drive." Like, all right, I'm in. This is the go the go for broke kitchen seat game. I'll watch this. Yeah. Their offense is going to be chaotic as hell, but their defense is good enough. Like, I don't know. Maybe they could win, like, seven games. Their O-line improved a ton. Like, I think, so, so like, Spain, Quinn Spain's been a little bit up and down, right? But if you can get him back on his up, I think that's fine. If Deion Dawkins is still, like, developing, I don't think he's 
a massive liability, right? Like, he clearly hasn't lived up to his draft capital so far, but I don't think he's a huge liability. And then you got Morse Ford and Naseki. All right. You could, I could live with that. That's not a bad offensive line. I think they've been struggling with a bad offensive line for a while. You know, the, this past year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. So, I just – their running back position is kind of weird to me too. Where it's like, all right, you got McCoy, you got Gore, you got – you just drafted Singletary, and you also signed TJ Yeldon. I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happening here. One of those guys isn't going to make the team, and I'll have no idea who, which one of them it is. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll just see how it plays out. But I mean, that offense should just be like there's the. I think the I think the highlights and the lowlights are just going to be hilarious from the Bills team. So I think I'm I think I might watch them a little bit this year. Uh, sticking with teams that are I, I are trying to help out a young quarterback, the Ravens offense is like interestingly constructed. Uh, just because like they weren't really able to sign any free agent receivers outside of Michael Floyd, who has felt like he's played for every team in the league over the past, like, three years. Uh, but they went out in the draft. They drafted Marquise Brown in the first round, Miles Boykin in the third round. They got Justice Hill on day three. And that offense is – like, that's a lot of athleticism and explosion on that offense. And, like, like if Lamar Jackson – Ingram catches passes, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, ba- Baltimore was making the moves, right, like, midseason where they were grabbing, like, Ty Montgomery and stuff because they wanted a guy who could catch passes out of the backfield, and Mark Ingram could catch passes, Justice Hill can catch passes. So I think there'll be better fits in what Baltimore wants to do with Lamar than the guys that they had last year. Yeah, and, you know, it, it just all kind of comes down to, like, one, will Lamar take that next step as a passer, and two, like, do the fumbling. Uh that's it's what just, kills me. Like, Lamar, yeah. for, for a rookie, he was crazy good for a rookie last year in terms of passing. It was just like, you're dribbling the football, man. You got to protect that damn thing. Yeah. I mean, statistically, Lamar was – like, if you just kind of put the quarterback, the rookie quarterbacks in tiers by, like, like their passing numbers, it was Baker tier, Lamar tier, and then the rest. So, you know, I, I'm I'm honestly not that concerned about his passing. I know, like, it's kind of funny to – make fun of the ducks that he's throwing in the OTA video, but I don't know. I can't really get myself too worked up about that. Uh, it's just the fumbling. And I, I guess I'm kind of optimistic about the fumbling thing, get kind of settling out too, because one, I just don't, I just, I just think regression is going to hit that. I mean, the fu- the rate he was fumbling was just outrageously bad. Uh, and I think he fumbled like three times in the playoff game versus the chargers. I just don't really see how that, how you can keep up that rate. Uh, and then, like, in college, he was never really a big fumbler either. No, so. yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, I think, yeah, the fumbling definitely hurt him more this last year. But, like, the ducks and stuff like that where it's – but the thing, too, is, like, even his bad passes, it's not like they're going to get intercepted. Like, they're falling right. innocently to the turf, which is what we saw in college, which is why I'm like, oh, your downside is an incompletion? That's not really that big of a deal. But if the fumbles keep being a problem, I mean, obviously turning the ball over is – Massive. The one thing, yeah. so I want, I want you to explain something to me, right? So this team is running a ton, right? And they're yeah. running options a ton, which end up getting balls bounced to the boundary, right? Right. Marquise Brown is going to have to block a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know I know we, like, blocking for wide receivers has become super overrated on Twitter because, like, Coach Twitter has invaded NFL Twitter and they're, like, effort and all this shit, right? But, like, in this offense specifically, like, blocking on the boundary matters a ton 
and they have a wide receiver who weighs 120 pounds. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to change or what, but I don't know. That kind of seems like a little bit of a mismatch to me. Yeah, it's gonna. he's going to need a little bit more sand in his pants uh, before he's going to be ready for that. And like, we, I mean, I guess we don't even really know like how fully healthy he is. And we'll, we'll figure that out for yeah. training camp and stuff like that. But just the idea of them kind of just saying, all right, we got this freakishly athletic quarterback. Let's just go put some athletes in. Let them all figure it out for the next two years or so. Uh, I, I don't really mind that plan. I mean, I don't, I don't know who is expecting like the Ravens' offense to be like that consistent this year. I'm not. I'm just kind of here for the peak plays. Yeah. And, and their defense is good too. They lost a ton right. of snaps on defense, but I mean, these guys are plug, plug and play. I mean, you right. you look at these guys leave, and it's like, oh, there's a Darius Smith who was only good on third downs as a three technique left. It's like, well, they have Tim Williams and. Matt Judon, Tyus Bowser, they just drafted Jalen Ferguson. Like, ah, eh, they'll probably be okay. You know? It's like their defensive line is still one of the deepest in the league and all that stuff, so. And that's not even yeah. including potentially signing Gerald McCoy, so. Yeah, that, that defense would be nasty. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Tony Jefferson, uh, who they got on the other side? Brandon Carr, like Carr. he had a pretty good year last year too. Jimmy like, Smith, Jimmy's... if he's alive, <laughs> right? I mean that that's that a year second to year was thing. lethal. Yeah, they got what, and then four. What is it? Four, three, fourth round picks. They're still developing, and uh, Anthony Averett, Iman Marshall, and Tavon Young at cornerback. Or it's just like yeah, it's just like an assembly line on defense where they're just like yeah, sure, we'll let a guy walk. Oh, I forgot Shane Ray is there too. Yeah, uh, they, they, yeah. They're, I'm really not concerned about Baltimore losing that many snaps on their defense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I, not like it, Dallas two years ago where it was like they just had no answers. Right. Uh, they're they're going to figure this out. And like they they really just always do. Uh, and like we talked about earlier, you you just can't pay C.J. Mosley that deal. I mean, he's getting less money than Earl Thomas, so. Uh, I mean, he's getting more money than Earl Thomas, so I don't really like that's an easy trade off for me. And like you said, they had McCoy. That defense is going to be nasty once again. You just got kind of got to just got to hope and see that Earl Thomas can make it through the season because I don't think he's played a full season in uh, it's been a few years, I think. Probably because he was hurt yeah, he, like all last year, and then I think he got banged up for a bit in 2017 because yeah. they because Seattle started playing man a lot. I yeah, and 2016, because I remember they shredded the, the Falcons, shredded them in the playoffs. It was 2015 was the last time he played a full season. So, you know, hopefully he can kind of get back to being, you know, a, a healthy player. But even when he wasn't healthy, like, or even when he was just on the field for four games last year, he still led the Seahawks in interceptions uh, <laughs> this season. So, uh, yeah. Earl, we, uh, Earl Thomas, good. A difference maker. Really healthy. good. Uh, let's move on to another team in the AFC. Uh, that has a boatload of cap space. I mean, the the Colts. They, I, I think people thought they were going to be a lot more aggressive this offseason just because they had so much cap space, but they kind of sat on that money. And the, the only big deal they gave out so far, I mean, we'll see if they make a move for Gerald McCoy, but Justin Houston, two for 24, and, like, that's not even, you know, that no. bad. Really. Every team should assign Ty Nasecki and Justin Houston for the money that they went for. Every single team. Yeah, uh, I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. I'm not really sure how I feel about their draft. Uh, I don't. I wasn't really a big Rocky Sin guy, and the other guys they drafted, I just wasn't wasn't too. Wow! Wow! What? 
Ben, ben Bonogo Hive. Oh, Ben. The I pa- forgot the about pass Ben. rusher from TCU. Okay, actually, I did watch him. Uh, they said they're going to play him at Sam, though. We're, right, we're losing another right. one. It's Anthony Barr, Jamie Collins, him. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really know how this defense kind of shakes out because I, I just, I don't know. I thought they were going to get more aggressive and add more talent to it, but Justin Houston's a big step. Hopefully guys like Kamoko Ture can take a big step. Uh, maybe they come to the senses and just make uh, Bonogo a pass rusher full time. Maybe, but uh, they already have Shurd too. Like they have Shurd yeah. there. And then and Taekwon Lewis, they're just like adding weight, dropping weight whenever. Marcus Hunt's on a super cheap deal relative to what he could have gotten in free agency. So I don't know. I, I think that defensive front is better probably than people give him credit for. And if a guy like Grover Stewart, who he came out of D2 school, Albany State, but his film was crazy. His athleticism is crazy. He's been in the league for two years, but he hasn't really done much. If he can somehow get it some playing time and show something, I think, you know, they could be a lot better than people think. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, and just kind of sitting on that calf pace and not really adding guys. I mean, you had an idea that you came up with in the group chat and tweeted it about the other day uh, where they can kind of push Andrew Luck's money up and even free more yeah, money up they for them. Can't, they can't do as much as I thought, though. Okay. Uh, there is a rule in the CBA where you can't have a salad, like a cap hit drop off by more than 50%. Or just get all gets traded like a signing bonus, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So my initial idea was just like pay Andrew Luck like sixty million dollars of the rest of his three years now, and then just pay him one million on the cap the next two years. They can't do that. So it has to be something like uh, I want to say it was like thirty or something like that. Thirty million this year, which they could still do and open up some cap space next year, but. A lot of their cap space isn't like actually actionable because you can't sign guys to multi-year deals with the cap space they have moving forward because contracts are going to come out, you know, next year and the year after that, right? Like they got a lot of guys performing on rookie deals, basically. Um, so that's why I always thought like these cheap one-year deals and stuff like that were what would make the most sense. Like it doesn't surprise, like the Justin Houston deal, him landing in Indianapolis doesn't surprise me. Um you know, Sue really not being in contention there. McCoy really not being in contention there kind of surprises me. Ansa was another guy. Um, I thought all those moves would have made more sense, but I guess they're not really trying to add more to their line of scrimmage, you know, post Justin Houston since they already have Hunt and all those draft picks. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of, I'm just interested to see, like, one, how. How they, like, I guess, like, so who do they have to extend in the coming years? Because, like, all their offensive linemen. Like, Ryan Kelly's deal is going to come up soon. Uh, Andrew Luck's deal is going to come up soon. And it's going to be way higher than it was the first time around. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess I just thought they were going to be more aggressive. I, I don't know. I, it's hard. It's too hard to fault, like, especially after last the year. The team that should have been aggressive was Houston. They're oh, dumbasses. Yeah. They, they haven't spent money since Brock Osweiler. And... Lord knows they need to. Yeah. I mean, good God. Not, not been good. I, I mean, we all know that – we all knew that Deshaun Watson needed offensive line help. And, like, Tynaseki was that, – that that seemed just like such a slam dunk, no-brainer deal for Houston to make, even if you have to pay, overpay for a little bit because they weren't hurting for cap space at all this year. Uh, no, the past two years. And they got money coming forward and all sorts of stuff. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And um, then for, to just kind of settle on uh, – what was Don't it? say settle. Panic. <laughs> they, they panicked. They panicked and drafted Titus Howard. 
who like he was athletic at the senior bowl and stuff like that i get it i went back and watched his tape and stuff and i was like i don't know he's like a super athletic guy and his hands are clearly bad right but if you can fix the hands he should be solid and then he ran and all his athleticism numbers say like hey avoid this guy these are the guys who get gms fired plus you throw on top of it you know his his hands are bad they drafted sharping in the second round I sent you a video of Sharping where I'm like, find me an NFL snap here. Because Max Sharping, NIU, I mean, it was all quick game, full slide, play action. Like, he never actually took, like, those NFL vertical sets, especially against NFL pass rushers. He was playing in the Mac. So, kind of scared about that. I don't know. Matt Khalil, Matt Khalil might be their best tackle. And Matt Khalil did better last year than he had in the past, but that's not something to hang your hat on. Uh, yeah, and the, the the bad part about Sharping, right, is I've just been kind of looking at data on uh, Sports Info Solutions, and you want to talk about a guy that hasn't taken a lot of pass sets, that might be like a huge problem for the Texans this year, because they took the most passing attempts out of empty last year outside of uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who just like wiped away the rest of the league in terms of uh, empty snaps, so uh, it's you know, it, it's going to be tough sliding again for Deshaun. Uh, but we saw him play pretty well last year without it. Maybe he can make do again. But, man. like Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. You're going to take 30 or 60 snap, uh, sacks again? How long do you think that he's going to last that way? Right. Like, he's going to get hurt at some point if you just keep letting people shoot down a barrel like that. Yeah, and I just don't think that they got to – they just didn't get that much better this offseason, so – I mean, I guess they didn't redo, they didn't do anything free agency, and they drafted two FCS tackles. Wow. So, and they're still sitting on the Clowney deal. Yeah, like they were trying to shop Clowney, and they still haven't extended him. Like we got like a month and a half before that deadline passes, and then Clowney's just gonna either get a second tag or hit free agency. So, I don't know, man. Like pay Clowney. Like he's yeah. very clearly one of your best players. Whitney Merciless is probably on the way out. Watts back, right? But I mean, you can make. There, there's plenty of money to go around right now to pay Jadavion Clowney. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to another team with the mobile quarterback with offensive line issues with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I guess, you know, like we're all fascinated with this just because it's a, a guy who's just like straight up air raid coming to the NFL and he's going to call his own plays and installing his own offense. But, you know, they're still relying on – but Christian Kirk is, is probably going to be solid. Larry Fitzgerald, I don't, I, I feel like Larry Fitzgerald is just kind of like a volume guy at this point. That's not very efficient. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, He's a tight end. And now you just putting in, what was, they drafted three receivers? Isabella, Hakeem Bustler, and uh, my son, Keyshawn Johnson. That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, it's just kind of a real interesting offense to think about. Because they don't really have a lot invested in the tight end. Maybe, like you said, Larry Fitzgerald just kind of takes on big slot tight end-ish role. Well, they got Charles Clay for some reason. Oh, like, Charles Clay was an early cap casualty, and then he signed there. The biggest scammer he might in like, NFL end up, history. Yeah. He might end up starting, man. Because, like, Ricky Seals-Jones isn't that good. Ricky Seals-Jones played a lot of snaps for not putting up any fucking numbers last year. Yeah. I mean... As long as they can get Chad Williams out the paint, I mean, that dude is just. Oh, I, he might not make the team. He might be cut before Kevin White is. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. It That, I don't know, not to pile on too much, but man, that talk about like a miss on a draft pick. Uh, 
It's just kind of He might have played like if you were like Chad Williams played 90% of Arizona snaps last year and he caught like 25 balls. I would believe you. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it didn't make sense. Like, can't, can't open, can't catch passes, just not a good player. But is this offense, are they best suited to be running, like, 10 personnel a lot? Just based on who so they the, have? Yeah. So, like, the issue with 10 personnel, right, is you don't get tight ends who can play in special teams. Right. So you can't really be in, like, you're two injuries away from your offense basically being broken if – uh, you carry the same amount of wide receivers as the average NFL team if you're playing 10 personnel, right? Where, like, basically no one gets to rotate if you have two injuries. Um, so unless Chandler Jones is playing special teams, I don't think they're really going to go, like, 10 personnel high, right? Like, the issue with 10 personnel in the NFL is you only suit up 46 guys on game day which is, total. Yeah, which is dumb. Yeah, it's yeah. just let everyone play, including the practice squad. Who cares? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, th- I would think... Their run game is going to look more like Baltimore's than people think, is mm-hmm. my guess. Like, Kyler Murray's going to run the fucking ball this year. It would not surprise me if he leads, you know, quarterbacks and rushing and all that stuff. So, Yeah, man, Kyler, uh, like, speaking of Baltimore, the Cardinals play the Ravens week two at Baltimore. I mean, God send. Ooh, we're going to figure out what that <laughs> offensive line is made out of. Real we're going to see how much of a difference, exact how much of a difference Marcus Gilbert makes. Because, so. <laughs> good God, just, just looking at, I mean, we just talked about their secondary earlier, Baltimore secondary, and now you're throwing together, like, here's a bunch of rookies and a rookie quarterback and an offensive line that had some guys that used to be guys, but they've all been hurt, and good luck, Kyler. I, 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 Oof, whatever the under is on Arizona's points for losing that game, I'm just going to take the under because uh, that's just like an extreme mismatch. And yeah, but like you said, we're going to figure out what that offensive line is like real quick. But also, I'm kind of interested just to see like because I, I don't think the results are going to be great this year for the Cardinals offense, like just rookie no. quarterback. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> no. that's very safe to say. But still, like just thinking about like how Kingsbury calls plays and watching that is going to be fun. And just from like a strategy X and O's perspective, Cliff Kingsbury versus Deans Martindale, the Ravens defensive corner, is like an early season matchup to, to kind of watch, even if the actual on-field product is a little bit ugly. So, yeah, it's just kind of a wild card of an offense, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I thought it was funny that uh, Steve Kime, after the draft, was like, yeah, he's our starting quarterback, no doubt. Uh, and, and Cliff was kind of like playing around, and Steve was like, nope, he's the starting quarterback. And what are you going to do? <laughs> Say that Brett Hundley's going to start over him? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll say it. Um, they tried to t- try. They tried to trade for Tyrod. Like that was part of the the Chargers package, and Tyrod was going to start Week One because um, they weren't super confident if if Kyler and or Brett could start Week One. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I, I definitely think Kyler's going to start Week One. Um, the inter- the most interesting thing about the Kyler deal, right? So post Jameis. The NFL included a rule where they couldn't force players to only play one sport. So Kyler technically could leave Arizona when Cliff Kingsbury gets fired, right? <laughs> so like if they if Cliff gets fired after two years, Kyler can just pick up his stuff and say, all right, I'll pay you back 50% of the bonus money and go take this baseball contract and I'll make more in my baseball contract than I will over the remainder of this Cardinals deal, right? 
Mm-hmm. So they're kind of married at the hip. Yeah. So like Arizona can't do like one year of Cliff Kingsbury. Uh oh, we fucked up. You're gone. Kyler will leave. So because if Kyler's not going to work under Cliff, he's not going to work under someone else. You know. Yeah. Uh, so let's just pray that they can get an offensive line in there by like the 2020 season. Because uh, I because I, I don't know like w- when you talk about Cliff in terms of you know I, I think it's kind of funny that people say, you know, Cliff is going to have to learn how to call plays against, like, an NFL defense. But, like, NFL defenses run less than colleges do, so. It's all cover three. Yeah, it's all it's it's <laughs> just all cover one and cover three for the most part. So yeah. I don't really think that Cliff is going to have an issue with that. It just might be, you know, that they're just outmatched talent-wise, which is kind of expected going into the season. Uh, let's hit on some other draft notes before we get to uh, listener questions. The Raiders, bruh, how do you have three first-round picks? You got three first-round picks, and you come out with Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abrams. I mean, damn. And I thought so, it was hilarious <laughs> that Mayock had – Mayock after the draft, he said, you know, Farrell and Bosa, we had them graded similarly, which I, I don't really get. Yeah, and the thing, too, is they gave us the heads up that, like, hey, we're going to might do something crazy at number four. Um, but when I talk to people – Everyone thought it was going to be TJ Hawkinson if they actually did something weird. Like, they were like, the weird pick is going to be Hawkinson. Gruden can't help himself. No one guessed that it was going to be Farrell. I mean, everyone had Farrell, like, pinned down basically to Carolina, right? At, what was it, 16? Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, he's going to go no higher, no lower than 16. And then he just goes number four. And he, like, costs twice as much as if they would have pecked him with their second pick. It's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you need to do that. Plus, the other thing, too, is Cleveland Farrell's agent was Mac's agent and Amari Cooper's agent. And that was the big conspiracy theory on why they wouldn't have taken uh, at Oliver at four was because he Siegel was representing him. So I don't get this from various angles. <laughs> and then on top of it, they're like, yeah, we drafted him for his character. And then it's like, you just brought in Antonio Brown. You brought in Valtez Perfect. You brought in Richie Incognito now after the fact. And it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't understand what they're doing. Uh, I hope it works well for them. Because if not, it can get really bad because they have, like, the hardest schedule in NFL history this year. But I don't know. I don't get it, man. Yeah. I mean, also, man, uh, you're drafting guy number four overall. And, like, you're just talking about his character. Big red flag. Yeah, that's, Big that, time. that doesn't really, doesn't really <laughs> get so, me excited. He's such a nice guy. He's just, yeah. We were so close to Gruden just saying he's good under the sheets or whatever uh, <laughs> Shermer said about Daniel Jones. <laughs> oh, fiery under the, fire under the sheets. Fiery right under the sheets. Daniel Jones. Uh, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. And then to, to I, I guess, like, taking a running back in the first round is not weird, but I, I guess. That's Josh, whatever. Everyone expected it, though. Like, everyone was like, Josh, uh. Josh Jacobs is either going to go there or Philadelphia. And Philadelphia traded up and jumped uh, Houston for Andre, whatever the hell his name is, the Washington State tackle who's athletic. Uh, Andre Diller? That's him. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, he's good. I, he's good. I thought I'm was scared fun. about him run blocking, but he's not even going to play this year. So I thought it was kind of funny that it came out after the draft that, the, that Gruden and Mayock were like panicking that the Eagles had jumped in front of them to take Jacobs. I'm like, why are you really panicking about Josh Jacobs? I mean, he's fine, but uh, how he's how he's not doing that? I promise. Yeah. How he's the best GM in the league? He's he's not. 
doing that. He's doing Jedi mind tricks to get Houston to dismantle their team. Yeah, and then Jonathan Abram, man, like I, I watched him play after the fact. He's just like I don't, I don't think he's as good a prospect as Keanu Neal was coming out of Florida. And honestly, I, he might not even be better than Carl Joseph because like Joseph, he he played a lot better in the box last year than he did single high. And they kind of they brought in Lamarcus Joyner to I guess kind of alleviate that single high stuff, but. Now you got you have like a battle between Joseph and Abram. Like, I wonder if, if Joseph is even on no, the team. They're not. Did you see where Joiner's playing? Where's Joiner's playing the slot? Oh, okay. So I saw that from OTAs that like Joiner Joiner's getting like full time looks at slot. So I think all three of them start. Okay. Uh. Well, that'll be interesting because Abram. I don't think he's gonna really mess around playing single high. Uh. And then Joseph wasn't great there last year. I mean, I, I mean this this Raiders defense still sucks. Like it's <laughs> it does. Their pass rush didn't get that much better. No, so. they didn't. Uh, but I guess you th- like, I guess the only thing that kind of could save them is if Mo Hurst takes a big step year two, which is certainly possible. I mean, I thought he was pretty damn good last year. Uh, Let us pray. They got they got our boy Ronald Ollie. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, Ollie because <laughs> Ollie was. Originally signed with the Ravens, and then, you know, quickly made the right. He choice. looked. He looked so, around the room and was like, "Fuck this." Uh, yeah, I got a better <laughs> chance. Of sticking. I can't make this team. Got a better chance of sticking in uh, Oakland. You know, Ali. You know, he had pretty good stats, uh, and he had, had a really his athletic numbers were crazy. Yeah, like he he had like first round pick athleticism numbers, and I was like, "This is stupid." If he ends up being like a all pro or something, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, and I, I just remember watching one game of him at nickel state when they played against georgia in like 2015 or 2016 something like that and he was just like stonewalling offensive linemen versus the run like i think they could legitimately not really run the ball against ronald ollie which is kind of cool to see so maybe that's a a udfa something that can work out for oakland but good god like this just got to be an underwhelming uh first round uh we already touched on daniel jones so we don't need to get on that we don't need to talk about that Dwayne Haskins and Jay Gruden in Washington. I mean, Jay Gruden made a pretty funny quote yesterday that if they don't make the playoffs, he's not going to be here next year, which is absolutely right. Uh, he's very self-aware. Very. I mean, <laughs> hey, he did not tell one lie. Uh, and, I mean, but at the same time, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Jay Gruden, that's kind of like a good fit when you just look match quarterback to scheme, you know? Yeah. Based off of everything that I know, they legitimately wanted Daniel Jones. Like, I, I don't know who the second team is that Gettleman talks about that, you know, he wasn't going to be there at 16, two teams, or 17, two teams wanted him. Schefter said on his podcast it might have been Carolina, which, like, oh, goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, could you? Twitter would have burned down. But uh, it, it does seem like they definitely wanted Daniel Jones, but Dwayne Haskins, I think he's a better quarterback and he could start right away week one. I don't know if you want him to, especially when your coach is on the hot seat like that, but yeah, I think, I think he's, I think Dwayne was probably the safest quarterback in this draft. I thought I agree. Uh, Cause I could see how it goes wrong with Kyler. Like I, I'm rooting for Kyler and all that. And I don't think Kyler is bad, but I could see how it goes wrong quick. I mean, I watched the Alabama game. Yeah. And the thing with Dwayne is I know he, I know he's got like some stuff he needs to work on for his pressure and he's not the most fleet of foot quarterback but I still think his floor is like pretty high. He's but. like 20 and he's thrown like 200 balls or like 500 balls actually. They threw the crap out of it at Ohio State but I don't know. And that's not the worst wide receiver core either. No. I mean ter- getting him Terry McLaurin 
was good. I thought Terry was pretty solid, actually, for a wide receiver who wasn't putting up production like crazy. Um, Paul Richardson's good. Josh Doxson, I'm still holding out, man. Still holding out a little bit. If Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis can stay healthy at the same time, and then they got a ton of running backs. So, like, they got Geis, Peterson, Chris Thompson. P. Ryan isn't the worst. And then they also drafted Bryce Love, who's probably going to take a retreat year this year. And then hopefully their offensive line just doesn't disintegrate like they did last year. I mean, their offensive line, when they were hurt, was probably as bad as Arizona's, right? They just were dropping like flies. Yeah, uh, man. It, it's just, it really is just a matter of health uh, on, with Washington. Because even like when they're all healthy, it, just, it, it doesn't even look like a bad offense on paper. Uh, like their running back situation is pretty good. If Darius guys can live up to what everyone thought he was pre-draft, I mean – there's some talent to be had. I uh, just got to stay healthy. And, you know, I don't even know if they should really mess around with Case Keenum starting. Just roll with Dwayne. And it's not like we, we know enough about Case Keenum to say that he's not going to save Jay Gruden's job. But, you know, Haskins is still an unknown at this point. So you might as well just roll with him and just take the lumps where they, they go. Uh, I guess, I guess uh, the last two things, the last three things we need to hit on, I uh, how surprised were you at the Packers going Rashawn Gary at 12? Pretty surprised. Uh, pretty surprised. And he's going to need shoulder, shoulder surgery next offseason. So we might not even get 100% Gary, who is a project up front until 2021. And we picked him 12. And we already have Mike Daniels. And Zedarius Smith kicks inside. And Kenny Clark is going to be on a huge deal. And Low- Dean Lowry is probably going to get the Henry Anderson contract where it's like $8 million per. Mm-hmm. So it's not like... I mean, they need a D-line depth. They didn't really need a D-line starter. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I bet he probably is like coming off the bench for Zedarius when Zedarius kicks inside this year. And then long-term, he's probably going to end up being a five and be Lowry's replacement because they can't really dabble in giving him that Henry Anderson contract, I don't think. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, it was it was kind of weird. I mean, I, I do kind of like the, I guess, positional versatility they have now. Like, you can get a little creative with your nickel stuff with the uh, Darius Smith playing inside or even Gary playing inside if you can get on the field. Yeah, game. but what happens with Mike Daniels? Uh, I don't know. Did, Is he on the bench? Did, how did he even play last year? He was good. Okay. He's always good. I'll fi- I'm, oh, my God. We're going to let Mike Daniels walk. I'm going to be furious. I'm going to be furious. Preston Smith deal was good, though. I like that. He's better than Zadarius. I, I get to be on this corner first. Yeah. Uh, did you did you ever see the, the safety they drafted? Oh, they traded Savage? In the first round yeah, for Savage? He's cool. He's good. Yeah. He's good. I just kind of worry about, like, I, like when things are in front of him, he's just unbelievably good. Just kind of worry about, uh, like, I don't know, like, I guess routes behind him and stuff like that. But even then, he... He's so athletic, you just kind of got to figure it out. I thought it was funny that Josh Jones ended up asking for a trade, and it was just, like, not even a real blip on the radar. It's like, get out of here. You're playing dime linebacker. Like, no one's going to trade What are you, you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. So, I, I, I was kind of uh, confused to see that, and even funnier that no one cared. Uh, <laughs> and, let's see, another NFC team, my team uh, that kind of made a splash in the draft in the first round. They doubled up on offensive line, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I wasn't really surprised that they picked McGarry. Uh, I was 
because I was expecting him to be the pick in round two, but I guess they felt like he wasn't going to make it there. And there were some rumblings that the Patriots were going to take him at 32. Uh, so they traded up to get him. But the Lindstrom pick was kind of a surprise. I mean, I didn't really know yeah. where they were going to go after. Uh, Wilkinson got picked right before. Yeah, right? Wilkins got picked at 13 yeah. and uh, Ed Oliver got picked at nine. So like both their defensive tackle targets were out. So they went with the Lindstrom instead. Uh I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan of Lynchman at first, but I've, you know, I've done what all fans do and talk him into him. Uh, talk myself into him where I don't know. I'm not that concerned. I'm not concerned about his pass blocking. Really. I, I think he was pretty like shut down good there, but his run blocking, I, I, I don't know. I think it could use some work, especially against some of those heavier guys. Like I could see Kawan short having like a straight up field day with him when they play the Panthers. We'll see, but he's got Alex Mack to help, and Alex Mack is like one of the few difference-making centers in the league. So I'm I'm not too worried about his development. They got two offensive linemen on pretty cheap deals, so yeah, make make use of that after you get rid of deals in 2020, because you'll finally be able to be like active in free agency for the first time in like three years. Yeah, uh, no excuse to not make the playoffs. But... You see, Tack is Tack is uh, getting snaps at linebacker. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on there. And Vic Beasley isn't showing up to OTAs. Yeah, I'm not invested in the defense <laughs> at all. I'm I'm legitimately not. Vic invested. Beasley's making 20 billion this year. He's awful, and he's not showing up to OTAs. Yeah, I don't. Like... I, don't I, li- I don't think I'm going to watch like any of the Falcons' defense this year, except after the games, I'll just watch Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett's highlights. It's all I really need to see because I, I just that, that pay Grady, pay Grady, and then just pray that they can put together enough of an effort where they can sneak into the playoffs. Maybe uh, the fourth quarterback that was rumored to go in the first round and didn't was Drew Locke. But you know, we, I don't know if we talk about this much like on Twitter, but Drew Locke is not bad, and I think. You know, there were rumors that the Broncos were going to pick him at ten, but they decided to. Nah, that was that was fake. Yeah, after after the Senior Bowl, I think everyone realized like, eh, not that high. They're interested, but not that high. Yeah, but I mean, getting him in round two, man, like I I like that pick a lot. Because uh, Denver did well, dude. Yeah, because with that trade back with Pittsburgh, they got a first, a second, and a third for their for uh, Devin Bush because they would have taken Devin Bush there. And they ended up getting uh, Dalton Reisner, good offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. They got Noah Fant, good pass catching offensive or uh, tight end. They got Drew Locke in the second round. A cor- p- potential like has the potential to be a franchise quarterback, right? Yeah. Like I don't think we're super optimistic, but we're not like starting the second round, man. You could basically write quarterbacks off, right? And I don't think you could write Drew Locke off. And then they got Draymond Jones, who's been killing it, I guess, in OTAs in the third round. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good draft, man. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if Drew Locke ended up starting games over Flacco this year. Uh, no. No, it's Joe Flacco. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's Joe Flacco. It's Joe Flacco. But yeah. I don't know. It's just like the peak plays with Locke are fun, and he's just kind of got like that Rick, that wrist flick where it just – I don't know. Just It's just easy. He's a natural thrower, man. Right. It's like the – he's like a lot more aggressive version of Derek Carr, I think. Yeah. The thing about Locke is he'll he'll just like he has all the talent in the world, he will just do stupid shit sometimes, especially when his team is down. Like if he goes down 7, it is his mission to either like that drive, they're going to tie it up or they're going to go down 14 before the other offense touches the ball. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I guess the Broncos kind of did well and I think they've you know, it's for the first time in years it kind of feels like they've set themselves 
well up for the future. Because even like that Flacco deal, since they've traded for him, they don't have any dead cap on that. So if he sucks, right. they can just cut him after the season with no. True, but uh, did you see what Jawan James got? Okay. He got a lot of fucking money. Yeah, he did. To be a not very good right tackle. Like, he's okay. He's, okay. he's firmly in okay. Yeah. And okay, I would pay like $5 million. This is another team that should have signed Ty Naseki. Every yeah, every team should have been on those deals. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Jawan James, like you said, he's just he's all right. Uh, they also just gave Chris Harris more money. Yeah, I don't like they didn't extend him at all. They're just like, yeah, we'll just give you more money. I'm like, okay. Did you need to? Was he really gonna hold out? I mean, it, but you, I mean, you talked about cap space for this year it doesn't really matter anymore, so might as well, you know. That's true. Yeah, it's all fake. Plus, no one knows what the cap is going to look like in twenty twenty, so we don't even know if it's going to roll over. Right. So I don't know. Might just just to keep him happy, just throw him a few extra million. It's not like he's going to use it for anything else. Uh, next, the last thing we got to hit on before we answer like one or two questions. Uh, favorite day two and day three landing spots. Mine, AJ Brown. To the Titans, the best receiver on Old Miss's team last year. I don't know. I think him and, and Corey Davis, that just seems like a really great one two punch. Uh, we'll see how Arthur Smith, the Titans coach who's been promoted to OC, does. But, you know, they've, they've got two dudes at receiver who can play. And then uh, Lamont Gaylord, the center from Georgia, going to Arizona in round three. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up starting for him this year. And I don't think that's just some Homer bias by me. Like, if you just go and watch the. Uh, SC championship game, like he'd more than held his own versus Quinton Williams, and he's just kind of been a, a staple for their run offense over the past few years. So, those are my two picks. I'm looking through guys right now. I saw like JJ, right? Our Sega Whiteside landing in Philadelphia. One, all the receivers that we liked went higher than people thought. So, I'm going to give ourselves a pat on the back for that. JJ running like posts on like RPOs and stuff is going to be extremely fun when Alshon finally leaves, right? Um, so I think that's a pretty good one. I don't know how much of a contribution he's going to make this year, though, is my thing. And then probably Polite landing in with the Jets. Because the thing with Polite is, like, how seriously he took the pre-draft process, right? Like, he very clearly was talented on film, and then he it just clearly looked like he added a ton of bad weight, right, this offseason. So with the Jets, I mean, he's going to get playing time if he can play. So we'll know what polite is in year one where other places. Like if you landed in Baltimore, we probably wouldn't have seen his ass till like 2021, you know? Yeah. Like with the Jets, we actually get to like see him and evaluate him. So we'll know pretty quick on day three. God damn, I'm looking through these names right now. It's We already talked about Justice Hill. Like I think pass catching back in Baltimore is exactly what they've been wanting and what they – have actively sought out for, so I think that was kind of interesting. Um, the dude, the guard from Arkansas, super athletic. He landed with the New, New England Patriots. I can't say his name. Hajalti for Holt. Oh, the guard from Arkansas or something. Yeah, yeah. He's he's gonna make sixty million dollars when he leaves New England in free agency. As he usually so, does. Yeah. Uh, so those are the guys that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah. Greg Gaines is pretty good. The Rams got him in the fourth round. He's the D-tackle out of Washington. Put up way more production than uh, Vita Vea did. I like Deontay Thompson if he's healthy. He's landed in Arizona, which they have plenty of snaps to go around in the the secondary. Yeah. Outside of, outside of that, I don't really get excited by a lot of these guys. Mac Wilson got drafted in the fifth round. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, I, I think another guy, like, did you, you didn't say Winovich, did you? 
for the pack? No, yeah, but he's he's fucking perfect, man. It's a, God damn it's, no. it's, it's, it's a perfect fit. Uh, yeah, I, I hate the Patriots, man. They they got like they got better this off season. This is like the first time we feel like their draft is good, though. Yeah, you know, where it's like, oh fuck, you got a new kill. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, I mean, we we can jump into the listener questions before we chat out of here. Uh, this is from Jim at Jim Swim Eleven. How many years until someone other than New England wins at HFC East? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady's in a contract year, right? So technically, he probably could retire after this season. But I don't think that's gonna uh, happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wait, let, if he wins another ring, does he retire? Maybe, but he's also he's like he's also been like very vocal about wanting to like play. I'm gonna play till I'm 65. Right. Like I will die on the field. Uh, it's my dream to die <laughs> on the field. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. We're still a few years away because I think the Jets have just completely tied their hands for the Sam Darnold rookie deal, basically. Yeah. Buffalo saw it. I just don't think their quarterback is going to be much. Miami has all the opportunity to make their team better starting next year. But, I mean, they've stripped it down. I think mean, it's like Xavier Howard. What's his name? Uh, Rashad, whatever, their safety, the box safety that they have. Uh, I, I forgot his name. Yeah, it's not good. Their offensive line is awful. It's the, um, There's people, like, live-tweeting OTAs from Miami, and they're like, we've never seen an offensive line this bad. So, oof. congrats, congrats, uh, Josh Rosen. You went from one to another. Yeah. Like, him getting written off as, like, a 22-year-old is going to be you know, a crazy what-if, where it's almost like the, what is it, David Carr stuff, where it's like, yeah, I don't know. He was pretty good in college, and then often bad offensive lines just ruined him. Uh, the last time the Patriots didn't win the division was two thousand eight. Uh, I think that was the year that Ronnie Brown just kind of blacked yes. out, and and then that was also the Brady list year, yeah, and they like, still went eleven and five. Yep. <laughs> so to answer the so, question, uh, let's let's say Tom Brady plays until he's forty five, so that gives him what four more years. So maybe uh, by the time it's time to extend the quarterbacks from the 2018 draft, they'll have a chance to go out and win the AFC East. Uh, when I ran my simulation for win totals this year, it said the Patriots had twice as likely of a chance as winning the AFC East as any NFC team has of winning their division. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah. And more than any AFC team other than Kansas City and the Chargers, which is basically like a 50-50 split in my numbers. So that's where we're at with the Patriots, where it's just like, yeah, just super sim to second week or third week of January. It's not even fun anymore, man. Uh, Yeah. And let's hit one more question. We already talked. There's one about from a Bills fan about best defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. But uh, I don't know. We, I guess he was kind of fishing for Sean McDermott there. McDermott, Tomlin, Belichick, uh, Fangio. Yeah. Fangio's quotes are funny. Have you heard any of them yet? Uh, he's, like, extremely honest. Like, he's like, Sue Cravens needs to make this team as a safety or he's going to be cut. And shit like that. <laughs> Where he's just like, yeah, you don't interact with them at all, huh? Like, he he definitely calls players by their numbers. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that Denver D stacks up because they got they got play, they got players to just they do. Yeah, Draymond's gonna be good for him, man. I'm telling you, 
Draymond is like, I was surprised because I wasn't a big Draymond guy because he was not good his, I think, sophomore and junior years, and he was getting, like, top 20 hype. And I was like, whatever. And then, like, the week before the draft, I started catching up on a lot of guys because I was doing a bunch of different type of work. And then I saw Draymond, and he, like, developed into a quality pass rusher his last year. I was like, all right, well, shit, it looks like you're, like, Marcus Hunt now. So that's good. Uh, Yeah, I mean – it, it, it's fun. It's fun to just think about, like, if Draymond can continue to, like, ascend the way he did from last, from, like, junior year to senior year at Ohio State, then you got, what, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller still, Jones, who can bring heat as a pass rusher if he continues to uh, follow his path. And, like, even Derek Wolf, I don't, he's probably, like, not as good as he was when you had Malik Jackson. That he's show. been hurt. But, yeah, he's been hurt a lot. You know, even hit that's like that's like a solid guy. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how Fangio kind of pieces the defense together. Uh, but I guess the last question we'll hit on is from my pal uh, at the Master Roberts on Twitter: Is Tampa Bay the worst ran organization in the NFL? Um, I'm trying to go through things quickly in my head. Uh, what is your opinion, Chuck? I mean, for what the Jets just did was pretty stupid. Yeah. Let's be very clear. They were like, we're not hiring a head coach if you don't take Greg Williams. And then they found a coach who would take Greg Williams. And then the GM got fired after doing a bunch of dumb things because he was on hot seat. All of this happened because of Greg Williams, mind you, who has not made their head coach. They thought high enough of Greg Williams that they're like, you are a necessary defensive coordinator, but we will not make you the head coach. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I just I think there's definitely a case for them because when you come off the season, what they were what four and twelve or five and eleven, something like that, and you don't have any cap space going into the off season, like how would make it make sense? Well, that's another that's another hot seat thing. Oh yeah, we're like Tam- Tampa was like we're not letting any talent walk. Fuck the future. We're trying to win this year because it's a general manager on the hot seat with a brand new head coach, right? Yeah. Bruce Arians is not going to bat for you. Like, you have to build this team, which is why they took a guy like Devin White at five, right? They don't take a linebacker that high, but they needed a linebacker, and there was not going to be very many in the draft. So it was like, well, this is going to help us immediately. But it's like, you probably should have turned that into other picks, man. Yeah, it's it's just amazing, though. Like, how... Why why do teams keep doing this thing where they're going to stagger regimes almost. I don't know. Like you're going to stagger GMs and, I don't know. and heck, like, I think it's fair to say that. Plus, quietly, like, Green Bay's kind of doing that right now. Like, Mike Pettin's the shadow, shadow head coach. They just have LaFleur there to call plays. Yeah. Uh, man. It's just kind of, it's just weird, though. Like, one, I think even last offseason was a fireable offense for Jason Lake, just because you like you spent money on those tackles and then you drafted via Veda like a top eleven or something like that, and you dude your secondary is still comically bad and <laughs> Derwin James was sitting right there. No, for no, you. no, it's fine. They drafted a bunch of DBs. They've never drafted a defensive back high and missed before. Yeah, that's true. R.I.P. Vernon <laughs> Hargreaves. I thought he was going to be good. Um, I have another candidate for a poorly run team. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars gave Nick Foles like $80 million. 88. So, 88. It was like 65 guaranteed too. They threw like 20 million guaranteed extra because they didn't want their they didn't want uh, Jalen Ramsey to 
post eye emojis on uh, Dwayne Haskins' Instagram. So, because apparently Jalen Jalen won't figure out that Foles can't play if the money is different. I I never understood that. Right? Like, how low of your players do you have to think where it's like, if we just give this guy a bunch of money, he'll think he's good? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, they don't, they don't have internet access. They just see headlines. Yeah, and even, like, if you just look at players it... Players read everything. If you if you look at, like, Nick Foles and Blake Bortles' career, uh, they pretty much put up the same numbers, like, efficiency-wise. I think the last three years, they've basically, like, the exact same and passing it, efficiency. It, it's kind of funny that even if you just look at the, a career uh, for Nick Foles, he's pretty similar to Bortles. And, and Foles had that year where he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, and, like, had one of the best uh, NFL seasons, like the one of the best seasons ever. If you go by adjusted yards per attempt, so uh, yeah, I don't really get why you would be that high. I guess it, it just it's gonna look a little bit better than Bortles. Uh, you're definitely gonna win more games. Yeah, you're definitely gonna win more games. It's just you're gonna peak out at like seven and nine. Yeah, everyone on that defense is about to get paid. Yeah, Ramsey and and uh, Yannick are both about to get money. Yeah, and Miles, so you can't keep that crew together. So I don't know. It happens. You miss your window. It happens. Uh, so yeah, I think that's all we got for uh, Send the Edge episode eighty nine. Skip eighty eight. Uh, we'll be back whenever. Eh, who knows? At some point. At some point before the season. We'll make we'll make people mad with win totals talk at some point. Yep. We say your your team's gonna go six and a half wins. Uh, all right. We'll see you guys when we see you. <laughs>